Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. All brought to you by the PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com. This little thing monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7 and should a problem occur, you are the first person to know before your users so you can fix it before your users even notice and you look like a god. Check out their system at www.paisler.com to find out how it works. Of course, as well as a show here on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we'd like to keep you up to date with all things tech every single day. There's hourly updates, daily newsletters, the whole thing. You can grab it all for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our editor Niall Kitson and I mean it is August and it's holiday season and it's kind of quiet so uh, what we thought we'd do just for a minute or two is throw a question at each other see what kind of an answer we come up with and then get into our interview this week uh, which shockingly Niall demonstrates that there is life in tech outside of Dublin. Well, there's a lot of life and, and we're going to learn a lot more about it. In particular, um, what's going on in Cork? So listen, you, you asked me to come up with a question uh, and I'm going to just... I didn't give it a lot of thought now, to be fair, um, but I think it's something that comes up with an interestingly, an instantly interesting answer. And the question that I'm proposing for the pair of us is, what is the one thing that really blew your socks off this year? What have you discovered that you went, oh, wow. Okay, um, my answer is quite nuanced. Okay, so get, get ready. Um, do you remember earlier this year we talked about things we were done with and one of them was smartphones mm. and how we reckon that the market had reached maturity to such an extent that they're just there mm. and there's nothing really to get excited about anymore. They're just, they're just another tool that we own. Um, my observation is related to smartphones because we thought, you know, we we had seen enough. We had to move on to the next big thing, whatever it might be, which means which makes this all the more impressive to me that we now have another feature of premium smartphones that has actually made smartphones interesting to the point where operating systems are now being designed with a view to dealing with different sized what. I don't know. Tell me. Notches. Oh, the notch. God. <laughs> the notch has impressed me this year. You, you, the, you know, you know, I'm quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what impresses you about the notch? Because it has shown that there is still room for enthusiasm when it comes to smartphones. We now have a dividing line between phones that are really good and phones that are just uh, pretty good. If they're really good, they have a notch. <laughs> I think you're losing it. I, I, I really think all the heat that we've had this summer has gone right to your head. And this, yeah, this, is, the, this right. is the cracking moment. Yeah, he cracked up live on air. We all heard it, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but then what is it about the what is it about the what does a notch do uh okay it basically uh, uh creates as much live screen space as possible so it's not so much what it adds it's so much as what it allows to be taken away 
if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. In my head, the notch is that little black bar at the, the yes. top of the screen where your camera and other little sensors and stuff is... Am, am I incorrect in thinking that? No, no, you're exactly correct. And the, the reason that, that it's there is because it, it frees up space around it. So you've got your extra large screen or maybe you want to put in different icons up there. Um, I think it's a feature of Android Pie is that it lines up with the notch Mm-hmm. So your your hardware and your software become slightly more integrated, which is kind kind of nice, you have to say. Um, and uh, I think Android Pie has a feature that it can adjust the size of the notch in your phone to match the uh, size of the hardware, the the hardware's notch. So if you've only got like a space for like a camera or something up there, um, the software can match that, uh, as opposed to just being this sort of ubiquitous block. Uh, across okay. the top of the phone. Well, I, I am I am not going to slag you whatsoever for having the notch as the thing that impressed you the most because I think okay. it's probably more impressive than the thing that impressed me the most. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been a slow year, Dusty. It's been a slow year. <laughs> or I'm just very hard to be impressed or whatever. Anyway, my beloved Kindle died. No. Yeah. After so how many years? After uh, I must be what five, five, six, seven years or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Great use out of it. So I got a new Kindle, and okay. I decided, okay, I'm going to try one of these paper white Kindles. Mm-hmm. And what I never realised about the paper because I see them in stores all the time and they look white and all that, fantastic. But actually, what makes them white is they've got little LED lights around the edge. Okay, And it's these things that shine on the screen in whatever way that make it white. Because if you turn the power off on the Kindle, the screen just goes all grey again, like my previous Kindle did. And then, of course, the other advantage of that, which I never thought I would really... I haven't used it now, but um, other than to go, oh, I can do that. You can read your book in the dark. You don't need a, a, a lamp. Yep. Which I'm actually yep. not quite yep. keen on because I don't like, you know, having that one light source going into my eye in a, in a darkened room. But mm. what impressed me, just whatever about the Kindle paperweight, who cares? But what impressed me was just the fact that you can stick a little LED in the corner of that little screen and just shine it in such a way so that it just makes things, everything evenly lit on that area. Yep. And that's, yep. that's what it brought. Only small little thing, small little thing. Well, not uh, as good as the notch. I guess it's, I guess it's a year of incremental improvements then, Dusty, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. Oh, man. I, who is going to be the next Steve Jobs? And who is the next person who's going to say, oh, uh, just one more thing and blow our minds? How far away is that moment, I wonder? It'll be interesting to see. Listen, uh, let's get on with our interview this week because we were saying that uh, a lot of people think that the tech sector only lives and only breathes in Dublin, which I suppose is a, is a thing. But we know from our own experience that there are lots and lots of tech uh, companies that are based around Ireland doing some amazing things. We've featured lots of them on the programme over the years. Uh, Local and international companies all across the country and one of those is a success story with the business software developer called Teamwork. Now, now it gets wet with the co-founder, Daniel McKee, to talk about the company and how it came into being, why Daniel spent $500,000 buying a domain name, I kid you not, and how Cork is well on its way to challenging Dublin as the nation's tech capital. <gasps> so, Dan, 
One of the interesting things about teamwork uh, in delving into your background is that it's not so much a case of, you know, a guy with a dream who assembled a team around him to to make it happen. Um, You're very much a developer first organization, really. Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on today. Um, Yeah, we are. I mean, Peter and myself, we started this 20 years ago as a consultancy and um, we're just two developers. Our passion was building software. Um, we got to a point where we needed something to manage our own company, so we went out and built it. Um, being two developers, we had to learn every other side of the business then. So today we do less developing and more working on the business as opposed to in the business. And I guess when you're looking uh, or learning the ropes as you're going, uh, it must have been quite interesting setting benchmarks. I mean, did, did you realize uh, a point at which you would go, actually, we're we're doing pretty well here or was it a case of you know month to month okay let's just keep going let's just keep going let's just keep going I think in the early days first we built the product to satisfy our own needs and requirements and then as it started gaining traction um, it was bringing in more revenue than our actual consultancy it's at that point we sat down looked at what we had and said okay we enjoy developing this Uh, we can see massive areas where we can scale it up um, and it's time to get rid of the consultancy and go all in on teamwork. Mm. And in making that decision then, um, you know, I mean, you've got a massive customer base uh, in the millions at the moment. Did you envision scaling up um, to such a, a large international audience or did you think maybe Ireland would be a self-sustaining economy for you guys? I mean, when with tech companies in general, does the vision always extend outside of Ireland? Does it have to? So I think ever since we got our first paying customer, they were not an Irish-based company. All our sales, especially in the early days, I'd say 80% came from North America, Canada. So we never even looked at the Irish market. I think currently we only have maybe 120 companies in Ireland using our products, with the vast majority of our 24,000 paying customers being in, I'd say, 70% now in North America. um, And the rest spread out around Australia and the UK and different parts of Europe. So Ireland was never really on the map really to sell our software. That presents some really interesting uh, challenges for you guys as a, as non-business people first and foremost, but also uh, having to deal with so many business cultures around the world. Um, did, did you have any element of culture shock or were you able to just go in and go, look, here's the platform uh, and it really is this simple? I think um, being two developers, we're always very entrepreneurial as well. So we always had other businesses. And when we had the consultancy, a massive part of that was learning different aspects of the business to keep it going. Um, When we then moved into a product, it was just, it was using the same knowledge, but just applied differently. The biggest change for us really was when we started to expand outside of pure SaaS and dealing with SMB self-service when we started moving into the bigger accounts like um, the likes of Disney and PayPal. And then we realized, you know, there are different channels that you have to go through and there are different um, processes and procedures that we have to have in place that was kind of neutral. So that was a bit of a culture shock. But um, being able to hire the right people to, to fill the seats in areas that Peter and myself lacked, that was, that was really helpful. But also the two of us, I mean, we are curious people and we do like to see or have 
a knowledge of every part of the business. Even if we're not experts in it, we'd like to know enough to understand the function. So in targeting um, some of your larger clients, you mentioned Disney and, and PayPal there. Um, how did you initiate that process? I mean, you, you can't exactly rock up and knock on the door of these people and ask to talk to the, talk to the, um, the CIO and go, look, we, we've got a, a service we think you'd be really interested in. It. How do you open you know, the, the big doors, if you will? So we're, we're actually working on a real strategy for that right now. But how we came about getting the likes of Disney is that we had a product that was self-service. We didn't really know who was buying it, so they would use it. So it was based on the strength of the, the actual product. So one day we got a call out of the blue, and it was this guy, in Joseph Joseph. We thought it was, with a name like that, somebody's pulling her leg. But we called him back, and he told us, look, I'm in Disney. Um, we have multiple departments using your product. It's kind of it's time now to to put put it officially on the Disney um, approved vendor list. So um, that's how we got our first contract with Disney. Um, it came from self service SMB, and then they needed to do the usual things like um, pen tests and security validation and put in a, a proper contract. So. So it, it was almost a case of the the business came to you and you you had to sort of and we yeah we had to pivot and we looked at the opportunity and that that was the foundation then for our plans into moving into upper mid market enterprise type deals you know. Uh, one of the little side stories that I think is is quite interesting is uh, one of your first big investments uh, being in, in Teamwork.com. So uh, tell me a little bit about the discussions that that went on because uh, it wasn't a cheap investment. No, it wasn't. Um, ever since we started, we say 11 years ago when we put this up online, it was just Peter and myself inside an office. We registered a, a domain name, TeamworkPM.net, for 10 quid. We couldn't get teamwork.com, that was taken. Uh, teamworkpm.com was taken. So we just picked the domain, put it out there, and um, things grew from there. At the time, as I said earlier, about maybe 80-90% of our customers were based in North America and Canada. And we also looked at our stats and 10% of new businesses were referrals. The only problem is that people... They hated the name. They couldn't refer it easy. It was a bit of a mouthful, teamrpm.net. wasn't a very strong brand, yet the product was extremely good. And we kind of, we had our head down in the cold to try and make the, you know, the best product we could, and we completely neglected the sales and marketing side of things. And when we hit about maybe, I can't remember the exact figure now, but we said, okay, we need, we need to really focus on, on the marketing side of things, but the brand wasn't there. We didn't have a strong name that we'd be proud of. So we went looking. And um, I used to bang off regular emails to the person who had teamwork.com and teamworkpm.com. It was a property management company down in Florida. And I'd give an offer and Peter would do the same. And at the time, domain names like sex.com, pets.com was going for massive amounts of money. Mm. So he was like, he was asking for 5 million, which was ludicrous. We didn't have that kind of money. Um, so we we kept on it, and, and I think one night then Peter he, he was out in a pub in Cork, and he said, "We got to get this name." So he banged off an email to this guy who was squatting on the on the name Teamer.com, and 
your man came back with ludicrous prices and Peter fired back, look, 100 grand. And your man said, look, same low ball offer. And Peter said, look, would you just tell me what what would you accept? Your man said, I'd, I'd consider 675,000. And Peter said, done. But we knew at that time that we had a brand problem. We, our sales were going up, but not at the rate that we wanted. So it was every single penny we had in the bank, but it was the right thing to do. We knew it was the right thing to do. So we bought the domain name, and after that, things just, just hockey stick, really. It's a, it's and, a, a wonderful case of, a, of brand awareness there, really, isn't it? And, and, and the strength of a brand before you, uh, in the, almost in the absence of a, of a product to, to push it with. Um, I, th- I think that's a great lesson for businesses to, to be aware of. Um, but in terms of your own product evolution, uh, and when you're dealing with project management software, you're also dealing with evolved project management methodologies. So uh, when you're looking at a, a, a company that might be using Agile or a company that might be using Waterfall, um, to which extent are you looking towards sort of the, the next sort of iteration or the next generation of project management methodologies like and, uh, and you know how you're thinking about where the product itself uh, can evolve into I mean there are elements like security and pen testing that are they're, they're still almost in the ghetto so you know where do you see the, your product going? So I think in the early days I mean our requirement was that we needed to manage the projects that we had on our whiteboard our whiteboard was just this big massive thing and we used to just move projects up and down whoever was screaming at us the loudest we'd work on that and it was chaos so when we set out to do it we initially which we called the product our project management what it really was was work management and we're kind of changing our focus now with our core with, the, with our first product that it's more than project management because when people think of project management they're thinking they're thinking resource allocation, they're thinking um, critical path analysis, all that kind of stuff. But what we're building is, ultimately we're building a suite of integrated products that can run most businesses. So when we acquired the name Teamwork.com, we now had a platform to build multiple products on that. So our second product was a health desk product, which tied in with our product or project management application and then we put a chat application which was the glue between the two of them and we have two products coming out this year so the the key thing aside from having a great brand it now gave us a platform to be able to build this suite of applications that we have that's our vision of where we're going so when we built team or projects first we never actually forced a methodology on people when we went looking for apps out in the marketplace that we could use ourselves, we were constantly fighting the tool. We were trying to fit our business process into how the tool expected us to use it. Mm. And we went the other avenue. We built a tool that was so flexible that anybody could use the tool to make their business more successful without having to fight this offer. So, so you're, we, you're pretty much just putting the platform in place with a view to it being completely agnostic of methodology you know that, that just sort of exactly so long as you've got the lines of communication between departments that's all you need to function exactly so collaboration will be a big part of it so there are seven core tools inside in team or projects and they all work together to boost teams and to make them more efficient and organized but we don't 
force a methodology down on top of them, you know. One of the great things uh, for me looking in on the teamwork story is that it hasn't been a case of Irish company does good, goes abroad, comes back. It, you know, being in Cork and having that local presence is very much part of your story uh, to date. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the investment in Cork and the attraction uh, of Cork to businesses that maybe are being priced out of the Dublin market or don't feel that the um, the uh, community dynamic is for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Peter's from Bantry and I'm from Glamour and Cork. I mean, we were both educated in Cork, which is where we met in CIT. Um, we have strong family roots inside in, in Cork. And um, the nature of our business, we can actually work from anywhere. So why not Cork? And when we looked at Cork, I mean, we have everything down here. We have... Um, we have a great airport with a port for transatlantic flights. It's only an hour and a half down to Shannon. Um, the quality of life here, we feel, is better than Dublin. And we're putting a big emphasis on trying to attract talent that had to leave Cork in previous years to attract them back to Cork and say, look, there is a vibrant tech scene in Cork and and we're open. We're, we're open to hire you, you know. So one of our biggest challenges is finding good people, especially around the development area. So we've had to look further afield. Um, but we're doing our utmost best to get people back into Cork. So we set up a website, escapedcork.ie, which kind of shows the benefits of Cork. And we're paying, we're paying Dublin salaries down, in, down here, you know. So, so that's, a, you know, people do consider the, the Dublin premium, if you will. But part of that is that you get your your year, your two year, your three years in a in a multinational and then you move uh, you move out, you go somewhere locally. Is that career path available down in Cork as well? Oh absolutely. I mean we've got some great companies down here, indigenous and international that have moved into Cork. We've got Nginx and Oculus. Um, locally we've got Fox Pro. Apple have been here a staple of the Cork tech community for years. So there, there are great companies down here with, with Dell and VMware, and um, we just we just need to promote Cork as a viable tech alternative to Dublin. So, what challenges do you see uh, Cork having? Like, uh, is it the is it the problem of perception? Is it the availability of housing? Uh, is it just the the lack of a PR push? Um. I try to answer this myself because, and I think it might be a PR push. I think it might be that we're not promoting Cork as well as Dublin might get promoted. And I think if you're a company in the United States and you're thinking of Ireland, Dublin is the immediate thing that you think of. I just don't think people think of Cork. But we know ourselves. I mean, every time somebody, even if they're working remote, when they're starting with our company, they come and work for four weeks from our Cork office just to get to know the team, to to understand our company and our core values, to see if we're the right company for them. And we also see if they're the right person for us. And um, what we found, though, is that when people come over here, they actually appreciate what is around in Cork. And, and sometimes they actually gen- they, they move over here with their families, you know. It's, it is that appealing. Yeah, I think I think that message that the the um, technology industry uh, in Ireland isn't 
completely Dublin centric is is very important to get out. And we see it with companies like um, uh, WP Engine that are doing spectacularly well, and, and of course uh, Apple that have that have been there since what the late nineteen eighties at this stage. Um, so where? Do yeah, you I mean, I mean, Limerick, Limerick is another viable option to Cork. It's not just Dublin versus Cork. I mean, with WP Engine down in Limerick, you know, and I mean there are and Galway as well has a a vibrant tech scene, but I just don't think it's promoted well enough to to international companies that when they think of relocating, they're just thinking Dublin. You know, mm. one of the challenges that uh, a lot of regional companies have at the moment uh, is the availability of proper broadband infrastructure. Um, do you see this as a barrier for companies outside of Dublin looking to to move to Cork? Do you is there that same kind of hyper competitive broadband market? that will provide that sort of important backbone for companies looking to branch out uh, internationally or to promote a distributed workforce? I think that might have been valid a couple of years ago. Definitely myself, I've seen in the last few years, broadband has no longer become a big issue down here for, I mean, with, with the rollout of 4G, I mean, you can work from anywhere. And even I was on a trip there recently down to Kerry and I had better 4G reception I had down there than I had back home, you know. I don't think the broadband issue, maybe in some parts of rural Ireland, but I don't think it's a major issue in Cork anymore. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Daniel Mackey, co-founder of Teamwork. That's our show for this week. The programme is always supported by the PRTG Network Monitor. Check it out. Paisner.com is the website to go to. And of course, you get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. And of course, remember to listen to us every week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.